0: Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 127. Good morning, everybody. It is another dreary day in January, January 19th, and it's a Friday, which is not my normal podcast release date. But let me tell you, between... Uh, federal holidays, school holidays, and snow days. This January has been crazy. I'm in South Carolina. We have had multiple snowstorms roll through the south and on up everywhere. Um, And while my children have been very disappointed because for some reason, Columbia seems to get missed by the snow every time, we still get school canceled if there's even a threat of that. And it's kind of amusing to listen to everybody complain about it. Um, but the reality is, we don't have the equipment, we don't have the the salters, we don't have anything. Um, so if there is snowfall, and roads are icy and driving conditions are bad, you know, you really put the, the, the children's lives at risk and, and other people's lives at risk by having everybody proceed as normal. So Hang in there, mamas in the South. I know it's frustrating when school gets canceled for snow and there is no snow. But let's remember that it's much better to have our kids at home with us and nothing happen than send them to school, have bad conditions, and have children injured or worse. So always try. I'm trying a new thing in 2018, and that is to see the glass as half full instead of half empty and to really try and look at things from the bright side We do want to send lots of healing thoughts and love to Aubrey and her two daughters because both of her girls have the flu. Not only do they have the flu, they both have different strains of the flu. And um, everybody's been sick in their household for like a month. So let's send them all our best get well soon vibes and wishes. So... Um, Today on the podcast, we are interviewing Tara Clancy. You can get all of the show notes and more information about her at LoseTheCape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 27, 127, I'm sorry, it's episode 127, Um, as well as information on our sponsor, the Brick Wall Coach, who is a coach for um, busy mom entrepreneurs or female entrepreneurs who just need some help getting their business organized and not feeling like they have to do all the things, but letting someone help them figure it all out. So Tara is a literacy expert, but we had a really interesting conversation about the impact of sleep apnea and sleep issues and how it impacts uh, your child's behavior and their ability to read and consume what they're reading. Um, it's a super interesting article. Things that I mean, article, Good Grief. It's Friday, right? It's a super interesting interview. We talk about um, the signs you can look for if your child has sleep apnea or um, other things that are disrupting their sleep that can result in them um, basically displaying what, what come across as... Uh, symptoms for like ADHD or something like that so the importance of sleep and good sleep um, what to look for and things you can do if your child is suffering from this as well as other literacy topics it's really if you have small children or young children really if you have kids um, it's a super interesting discussion about literacy and the impacts of sleep and all that good stuff so I hope you enjoy this if you have any um any feedback you'd like to share, please hop on over to our Facebook page and talk to us or send us an email at info at don't forget, we have started our first uh, month of book club, and this month's book club choice was The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. You can find the link to um, to the book and why we chose it and all that good stuff on the podcast page, losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 127. We hope you'll join us for the last um, episode of the month where we're going to do a kind of like traditional book club discussion and we're really excited about it and incorporating this into it because you know so many people love to read and we just don't always get the time to do so Um, or if we are reading or want to be in a book club it's just too much to try and add in one more thing that we're getting out to um, in the month. And I know that's what happened with me. Like it was, was like eight months went by and I was never able to make it to book club. So I just quit. But I still want to read good books and get good information and discuss them and all that jazz. So we thought maybe we'd give this online virtual podcast book club thing a go and see how it takes off. And we hope you'll join us with it. All right. Well, enjoy your day. Enjoy this episode and please feel free to talk to us either through email or Facebook or however you want to reach out. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast where we interview busy modern moms, uh, people helping moms and anyone who has an important story that moms might be interested in hearing. Today, we are interviewing Tara Clancy who has been solving reading problems uniquely since earning her degree in educational, educational psychology from Teachers College Columbia University over two decades ago. She knows that reading affects children's lives and children's lives affect the reading. She brings together her devotion to natural health and fascination with neuroscience with her work as a reading specialist. Her unique insights make her a popular speaker for parent and educator groups, and this summer she was invited to speak at the UK Liter- Literacy Association's 53rd International Conference about pediatric sleep disordered breathing and its implication for literacy. So we're going to be talking about that. Her website is www.nurturingliteracy.com, and she also has a YouTube channel, Nurturing Literacy Talks with Tara. And obviously, anybody who knows me knows how important I think reading and books are. And i am very dismayed that my two, three of my two of my three children do not love reading as much as I do. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we are we're working through that issue. Anyway, welcome. Tara, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you, Alexa.
0: So, um, wow, I mean, that was a, a lot of um, information. So, let's just talk about basically uh, the basics of, yeah. of what it is that you teach, and then we can get into the, I want to call it PTSD. It's not PTSD. It, it, <laughs> similar, <is it>? similar <laughs>
1: letters, yeah. Um, PSDB, Pediatric Sleep Disordered Breathing. But yeah, so just generally I'm reading, I mean, he like said, I've been um, working with kids for over 20 years and I kind of uh, look at kids in two groups um, very broadly. You know, you have kids who can read and love to read and great, you know, the, you don't really need to do much because everything is in place. Then you have this whole other group and it's a growing group of kids who don't read. And when I look at those kids, a lot of the kids that I've worked with, that group of kids who do not read can actually be broken into two groups as well. So you have kids who really can't read in there. You know, they have some disability that is really making it challenging for them. Could maybe dyslexia, you know, could be some language processing issue, anything like that. So those are the kids who can't read. But then you have this whole other group in there of kids who won't read. Right. They have, you know, they have, reading skill that you can see and that you can hear, but they just choose not to read. And what I have seen over the past two decades is that that group of kids that even though they can read, the reason that they're choosing not to read is because they can't read at the level that they really need to, to be able to enjoy it. Their skills are not developed enough um, to give them enjoyment. So it ends up being work for them. And of course, you know, what kid do you know that's looking to do work? Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So what we really, uh, really need to do is, is go in and look and see what is not, um, you know, in place for those kids that is allowing them to really read with the skill level that they, um, they need to, uh, have reading be comfortable and want to read. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's a, what I see very often in the kids that I work with. Uh, kids come to me for evaluations to see what their challenges are. And like I said, it, they break up into, um, you know these are kids that, that can't, these, they're kids that don't read and they really break up into two kids, two groups. Kids that are really and truly can't read because they have some disability. And then these kids that do not have their skills developed enough. And that's the big picture of what I do, um, you know, in terms of reading with kids.
0: So um, we were discussing right before I started recording about this um, pediatric sleep disorder. So tell us a little bit about that, what it is and how it impacts children in their reading.
1: Yeah, so I'll tell you that in, in a, uh, how it came into my life personally first and then how it came to be Important to me professionally in terms of helping kids with reading. So my um I have two kids and my uh my younger child is uh just coming up on nine. And uh I don't know if you've ever experienced night terrors in a yeah, child.
0: We're going yes? through that with my youngest right now, every okay. night. Okay. And- I was awakened at 3.30 in the morning, which is another part of the reason why I am so like today by blood curdling screams. Yes. So I get it.
1: (laughs) Yes. And is it, I mean, it it is really like the, probably one of the worst experiences I've ever been through. um, And certainly as a parent, because your child is there screaming to you and there's absolutely nothing you can do and it, and you, you can't help them. You can't stop the screaming. You're, you know, you're just without any, any action. And it's really an awful position to be in. So my daughter did experience that when she was three and, um, and uh, then as the you know, she got a little bit older, I would notice some things sometimes that would always make me wonder. Sometimes she'd say something in a funny way that would make me wonder if she maybe had some mild language processing problem. Or she would uh, she had this awful habit of just like <laughs> cutting you off and blurting things out all the time. And I started thinking, gosh, is she dealing with some kind of attentional <laughs> issue here? You know? And I mean, part of part of the problem is that I diagnose, you know, language-based problems. Sure. So of course i'm going to be looking for this all the time and i didn't really see enough that made me say yes she, you know it looks like there's a clear problem but there was always this question in the back of my mind and um and so then you know fast forward a few years uh later and do you ever have one of those things that happen to you that you you know it's a, it's a bad thing but a good Good thing comes from it, so yeah. that's what happened to me. Um, uh, just about two and a half years ago, I ended up getting into a car accident. Somebody sideswiped mm-hmm. me, and of course, it you know messed up my neck. And I just wasn't getting it, getting any better. So ultimately, I ended up going to see an osteopath to really try to help me, you know, deal with this problem, whatever. So as I'm working with this osteopath for this neck problem that I've gotten from this car accident, he starts talking to me about all these other things, about the way I hold my body, the way my face is shaped, all this stuff. And he said, I really think you should go and and get a sleep test done. I think you might be dealing with some kind of sleep-related breathing problem, ultimately. It comes down to something they call like an airway issue. And he said, you know, go and meet with this dentist who does, uh, you know, an examination and sort of assesses, uh, does this big kind of x-ray, 3D, X, 3D x-ray thing to look at your um, your airway and stuff. He said, I really think that would make a big difference because I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in you is results of this problem. So I said, okay, you know what? So I, I go to make the appointment and then I'm like, wait a second, my kids are the exact same Wait, the next builds me everything. I mean, if you look at my kids, they look identical to me. So I started saying maybe, you know, they're still young and they're still growing. Maybe I'll take them in and get, um, get them treated for this. And then, you know, w- when they're done, then I'll do it. I and mean, the reason I had to stagger is it is because it is an expensive treatment. So I had to kind of stagger it like that. So anyway, it, it's, um, I did do that. Took them to the this dentist. Had a treatment plan, and it's been um, two years. This month, actually, um, for that they've been going through this treatment. They're just about done with it, and I see incredible changes in them. Really? And what, yeah, what I realized is that they were dealing with this problem called uh, pediatric sleep disordered breathing. And really, what it is is. Um, it's a sleep-related breathing problem. So essentially, um, kids are going to sleep, and their breathing is being disrupted in some way. Now, there's a whole range of problems within this pediatric sleep-disordered breathing, and I'm sure um, I'm sure you've heard of sleep apnea before, and that is the top. Problem that you can have for us, you know, a sleep related breathing problem. And that uh, sleep apnea is when you stop breathing for 10 seconds or more. Um, But there's, yeah, (laughs) it is a long (laughs) time and it's scary, right? It's because there's a full um, disruption of oxygen flow in your body for that's a substantial amount of time. But there are also much lesser. lesser, uh, less dramatic forms of this sleep related breathing problem. Um, And on the low end of the scale is snoring. So if you have a kid who just snores regularly, that is a sign of um, disrupted airflow as well. And just like with sleep apnea, the disrupted airflow does indeed impact the brain, the development of the brain.
0: This is so interesting because my five-year-old, who was a micro preemie, so she's teeny tiny, Mm -hmm. um, and she's been snoring loudly since she was a baby. And I always just kind of assumed it was because she's so, I mean, she's so tiny that, you know, she couldn't get, but that, you know, and now she's the one having the night terrors and- Yes. I think I'll be making an appointment with our pediatrician like as soon as we get off this call. Yeah. So let me ask you a question um,
1: because there are, um, there are ways that parents can sort of, you know, signs that parents can look for, easy to spot signs that um, can help them know if, if, you know, something may be going on. Yeah. Yeah. So an open mouth, if a, if a kid walks around with an open mouth posture, either, you know, as large as an O shape where the mouth is fully open, or even if the lips are just separated, like a very, you know, minimal separation, both of those are signs of a problem. Because Uh what, what it's showing is that they are what they call mouth breathers, and we're really supposed to breathe through our noses. And when we don't, it like sets off a a cascade of of problems. So that's the first sign to look for. And I actually have on my website a a little infographic that shows you the signs that you can look for. So open mouth is one of them. Crowded teeth is is another. Now, if your daughter is only three, you said? She's five. Oh, five. Okay, good. So if you look at her teeth and you see that um, that is funny with a, with a, a, a preschooler or, or an early uh, like kindergarten or first grader, we look and we see the teeth all lined up perfectly and they have those lovely little smiles. I'm, I know my kids were like that, but it's actually a problem. because what it means is that the jaw is too small. And that if you think about it, if those perfectly sized baby teeth, if those baby, uh, those small baby teeth can fit in there perfectly, there is not going to be enough room when the larger adult sized teeth come in. So um, having those perfectly lined up baby teeth is really an indicator that the jaw is too small. When the jaw is too small, the, you have to hold your tongue in a different way. It end up ends up impacting the airway. You hold your head in a different way, this whole cascade of things. So uh, like I said, the first thing to look for is this open mouth, then to look for crowded teeth or in a preschooler or, um, you know, young child to look for teeth that are perfectly lined up. Uh, you also, if you can hear your child's breathing, any kind of noisy breathing, you know, like uh, when a child is congested, if that's the norm, um, that's a sign as well, and then also for an older child, a child who's maybe um, six, seven, eight years old, the face actually starts to elongate because when you have your mouth open, gravity is working on your jaw and it's pulling your jaw down, and it makes your face longer. If you look at my face, you can see my face is elongated, that's you know
0: a very long face.
1: Yes. And what's interesting is my when I started, uh, as I mentioned, both my kids deal with this. So when we started treatment two years ago, my daughter was just six, and my son was eleven. So my daughter's face was still growing; she's still young enough to avoid um, problems if she got the treatment. But my son, at eleven, uh, already had his face pretty much fully grown so you can see the big difference his face is very much shaped like mine now like you know the elongated yeah. lower third jaw but my daughter you can see her face is still much more rounded much stronger jawline whatever so i mean you know it affects it affects a kids uh, uh, reading for sure development. it affects the way they actually yeah. even look and then even you know like you said with your daughter experiencing these night terrors just like my daughter did it's impacting them across the board. And then, you know, if you are familiar with any of the research on sleep apnea for adults, you see that it really does. Um, we know that it causes real physical problems. You know, it's, it's implicated in heart disease. It's implicated in diabetes and a host of other physical things. And it's also, uh, leads to depression. It, um, it also, uh, is a, a, um, in fact, if you think about ADHD, um, what the the research when I was preparing for my talk in Scotland, I wanted a really strong uh, citation to talk about the correlation between the two. so I, I looked something up, found this great um, great thing that said twenty five percent of kids who exhibit ADHD symptoms are actually dealing with a sleep related breathing problem, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe we know that." But Alexa, guess when that research was published? It was from nineteen ninety seven. Oh wow. So we, we've known about this for all this time, but it just years. Yes. And I, I and I think I, I was in my I was in graduate school back then. I just graduated back in ninety-four and it was one of the top universities for um, you know in the country. And there wasn't, you know, one, pardon the pun, one breath of this with the whole program. So it's like this really specialized body of knowledge that if if you happen to find yourself, um, you know, if you find your way to a practitioner, like I happen to find my way to the osteopath and they mention it to you, then you can go and and take action. But if you don't happen to find out about it, there's nothing, you know. There's no, nothing you can do, and that's really what I'm trying to do—to get the message out there to parents yeah. so that we can know and say, "Gee, maybe this is something that I should look at." You know. Now you mentioned your pediatrician before, and what's interesting with that is that if you look at a um, survey that was done uh, maybe two or three years ago, I think, by the uh, American Pediatrics Association, the APA. They surveyed pediatricians on their comfort with sleep and um, talking to parents about sleep and sleep difficulties. Mm-hmm. And what's really scary is they said like one in um, one in six pediatricians reported that they did not feel comfortable talking to parents about sleep and sleep problems because wow. they never they didn't have the training they didn't have the background. So. When, who and who is our primary source of information for our kids Our pediatricians. Right. So this, yeah. So that's the other reason why I really feel like we need to get this information into the parents' hands so that they can advocate for their kids, you know, to go and say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. What do we do? Who, who, you know, who do we talk to? What do we look at? Cause most pediatricians just really don't know.
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm assuming you have some resources on your website that I can print out and take with me when I go to my pediatrician and I say, do. this is, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you,
1: exactly. So I have that that first infographic that I mentioned that it would be signs for parents to look for during the day. Mm-hmm. Then I have another one that is signs that a can look for at night. Mm-hmm. And if you see those coming up, there's a pediatric um, sleep questionnaire. And if you fill that out and you get an answer, a score of eight or more out of 50 then you definitely want to, um, look into getting a sleep study for your child. And that would be what you could go and say to your pediatrician, look, I need a sleep study done. Um, and here's why. And in a way you're kind of educating your pediatrician at that point, you know, but which is, it could be helpful for the other parents.
0: Yeah. Um, I definitely, we will include all the links to those in the show notes so that people can go grab those. It's, it's interesting because, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I actually, we did a sponsored post. Um, I can't remember now if it was for my personal blog, uh, no holding back, or if we did it on lose the Cape, but a couple years ago, we actually did a sponsored post for a company who talks about this, um, this sleep disorder. Um, I don't re- remember it being called exactly, what, but, but it's been a couple of years and shoot, I've had some sleep disorder issues since then. So my brain is not. <laughs> but I remember reading it and it was about that time that my son had been um, diagnosed with ADHD. And I really struggled, I think as a lot of parents do because of the mental health stigma, I really struggled with making the decision to medicate him. Um, eventually, we did, and it was the best decision we ever made in our lives because he was in second grade, and I was super worried about him really falling behind everyone mm-hmm. else when they were creating those really important building blocks for everything else. And mm-hmm. within two weeks of going on the medication, he went from bringing home D's and F's, and you know, they'd he'd start a sentence, and it would be like this it'd be T H I, and then it kind of dwindled off into a series of strange-looking robots and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was bad, yeah. right? And he went from there to making A's and B's. But all that aside to say, like, um, I read the information that they provided for us and um, or hang on just a second. Hey, Darren, we're actually in the middle of our our earlier interview. <laughs> if you can pop back on in about 20 minutes. Can you see me? <laughs>
1: Hey, sorry, am I really early?
0: You're early. That's okay. I was just checking it was all working. That's okay. I'll. I'll, It's working. Hello, Darren. Hey, I'll see you guys soon. Okay, bye. Um, It's too funny. (laughs) I know it it happens every once in a while. We need to we need to reword the um, thing in our email and say please check it the night before so that you don't interrupt another because it doesn't happen very often but every once in a while. So anyway. Uh, let's see. Where was I? I was saying yes. So, so I looked at all this information and I read it and I, and I did half wonder like, um, could it be sleep that was causing his, cause even the information said that a lot of children are being diagnosed with ADHD. In his case, I, I believe he truly is ADHD. He sleeps well. He's never had the problems like both of his sisters have had with sleeping. He doesn't snore. He, you know, falls asleep fairly easily we have to give him melatonin some nights because of the impact of his medications but right. anyway all that to say along comes well perfect middle child who never has any of these issues she is our saving grace right right <laughs> <And then laughs> we, the, we love and, that and then the baby who is just like a, a mimic you just like a carbon copy of her brother and we're like oh my goodness here we go mm. again but with mm. her I tr- I believe that hers may be legitimately sleep issue especially after having this conversation and talking about the snoring in the mm-hmm. and the face and I haven't paid attention but I will pay attention and I'll bet I will find she is a mouth breather. Yeah. Um
1: yeah.
0: And you no, know what I'm I definitely would I'm going to look into that.
1: Yeah. She,
0: she is well on her way to be diagnosed with ADHD as well I can tell you that. So. Right. Right, right. <laughs> And you know what? I would I would encourage you also to just look at
1: your son too, because um, the um, I, I was talking with a very prominent person in the field uh, recently, and he told me that he was at a conference with um, one of the top researchers, sleep researchers in the country, and that he, he is, based on his research, he feels like there is no such thing as ADHD. And that it really is related to a sleep-related breathing problem. And what's funny is That's with you know a
0: strong statement exactly I, exactly I'm not, I'm not ready to throw well, it all out like that yeah like, no and here's
1: here's one more <laughs> here's one more um, you know bit of food for thought uh, I was talking with another guy who's been in the field for a very very long time and uh, he actually has a foundation it's uh, called the Foundation for Airway Health and you can look it up at uh, airwayhealth.org. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gave me something to think about that, uh, that really um, made everything sort of click for me. So do you know how the, the question always is, how do we take a, a kid who is overactive, right? The, you know, showing all this attention deficit and we give them a stimulant mm-hmm. and that calms them down. I could never understand why that would work, right? Because if you're already up there and you take something that's going to bring you up there, it should up you more, right? Right, right. So it's always been this thing that I've wondered about. So he told me that basically, what happens for a kid who is not um, getting the restorative sleep at night, and that's what they call the restorative sleep, where the brain can really shut down and flush itself out. When when you don't get that restorative sleep at night, the next day you are basically running on adrenaline. You know, you're in like that fight or flight mode. It's just constant adrenaline that's keeping you going, and that. Is very demanding on the body, and you have to keep going to keep the adrenaline going. Mm-hmm. And that's what kids, apparently, with um, any kind of sleep related breathing problem are dealing with. They're running on adrenaline all the time, so that when you give them that stimulant, their body doesn't have to produce the adrenaline and all the other, you know, kind of chemicals that we produce to keep us in that fight or flight mode. The, they instead now have this other source of this stimulant so the body can actually calm down and not have to be, you know, producing this stuff. Right. So when he told me that, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's, it makes perfect sense. You know? So, you know, I, 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 what I would, I would encourage you to do is just think about looking at your son at night for those sleep, um, the sleep, uh symptoms that you might see and even go through the sleep questionnaire because maybe it is also being compounded by um you sure. know some kind of sleep problem and um <laughs> and you know you never know
0: he sleeps in a really tall loft bunk bed. And I, I just had this image of myself like sneaking up on the <laughs> ladder and like, <laughs> like with a flashlight looking, right, right. While he's sleeping and then like falling off the ladder. And Right, like, right. I'm Hopefully you wouldn't well
1: sleep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's too funny.
0: Ran through my head as
1: I'm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't dad. want that.
0: That's for sure. No. I mean, I tell you what, it's definitely worth considering and worth looking into. And I know just based on the last 10 years of my life, because um, my oldest is 10, how. Uh, constantly interrupted sleep and yes. bad sleep and nights without sleep have really in, impacted my, I mean, there are days where I'm, I'm 40, almost 41. And there are days I would swear I'm in early onset dementia or Alzheimer's oh. because my brain is just like, I can't handle this. And you know, what, yeah. what a week of really good sleep would do yes. for me, I'm sure. Yes. So, I, I, I so agree if I help, with you. If I can help them, then yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you, especially when my kids were young. I went through about five years where here I am as a reading specialist saying to kids, (laughs) You got to read, you got to read, read. I could not read, I was so exhausted all the time, you know, because I had my kids sleeping with me and I was nursing on demand at night. I was so exhausted, I could not even follow the words on a page. And I'd be like, I just read that, but I have no idea what I just read. So you're right, I mean, that, you know, that, that. disrupted sleep throws off everything. Yeah. And, um, I, I wish there was a way to get it back, but <laughs> obviously you can't, but at least, you know, we can try to see if our kids can, um, you know, get a, get decent sleep, you know, cause it does okay. impact everything.
0: Well, yeah. okay. So this is kind of a, um, a heavy uh, question here that you may not have the answer to, but I know, The first thing that ran through my mind when you said that the procedure was expensive, I was thinking, we have all this stuff going on in healthcare right now. I feel like my coverage is getting worse and worse and worse as the years go by. Are there other things that can be done without having to resort to expensive procedures? Absolutely. We're still still paying off baby girl's tubes. Oh my gosh. We had put in her ears five years ago and Uh we're finally under the thousand dollar mark. So I can only imagine what (laughs) what something like this would set us back.
1: Right. So there are definitely uh, things that you can do. So the first and most important thing is to switch your child from having that open mouth to having a closed mouth. Okay. And um, and that's just kind of going to be awareness building and training and, you know, saying, hey, let's all keep our mouths closed and sort of, you know, making it like fun because um, they don't realize they're doing it. Now, part of that also is figuring out why they are breathing through their mouths. Are they still dealing with congestion? Like for me, I know that's what it was that started me down this cascade because I have a lot of food allergies. I was always congested. So I didn't have the option of breathing through my nose. So it- breather so yeah same thing okay yeah yeah so I mean and you may end up having some food sensitivities and that your kids may actually have the same thing because of you know they're your children that's actually how I first started down this road actually because I was I was nursing my son he was about um, probably a little over a year and a half old and he started dealing with Awful GI issues, you know, like mostly constipation. Yeah. And I was working with a nature path, and the nature path said, You know, I was still nursing him quite a bit because of everything that was going on. And he, the nature path said to me, Why don't you take your diet down to, to like nothing? And um, and then see what happens to him. And so I was actually dealing with rosacea at the time and everything. And I took everything out of my diet except rice and chicken for a month. Oh, my God. It was brutal. I was starving and everything. But at the end of the month, my fate, my skin was clear. The little uh, bloated belly I had all the time was, uh, was gone. Tired,
0: then there are so much easier ways to do it, to still get to the same yeah.
1: But, but then the end that I discovered in myself so many problems yeah, that I didn't yeah. even realize that I had. And, um, so it really helped. And so, so like I said, the first thing is to discover why your child is, uh, breathing through his mouth. And I, yeah. you know, if he can't breathe through his nose and, you know, do, uh, maybe food sensitivities that's yeah. bringing the congestion on.
0: Absolutely. And so then,
1: yeah, so that's the first thing, keep the mouth closed. And then the second thing is to train them to keep their tongue plastered up against the roof of the mouth that's where the tongue is always supposed to be so like this if you're going to cluck your uh tongue like you know that put your tongue into that position as if you were going to do it pull it all the way up there but don't do the actual cluck Mm-hmm. That's where our tongues are supposed to be all the time. Mine is never there. Exactly. <laughs> Same with me. I was like, are you kidding me? But I've, I've been training myself to do it. The reason the tongue is supposed to be there is because that's what exerts the pressure that we need on the face and the, the sinus cavity, everything to keep it as large as it's supposed to be. Wow. So the whole tongue. alone. Yep, <laughs> yes tell me about it. The first time I heard it, I was like, well, mine just sits in my jaw. And it's like, well, that's why your face looks like. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it, that's the second thing, um, definitely to do. So keep, uh, help them keep their mouths closed, keep the tongue plastered to the roof of the mouth. And like I said, if you, you know, whatever, um, whatever problem is getting the, in the way of them, um, not being able to breathe through the nose, address that. Then the third thing, and this is really important, especially in this day and age where we're always looking at our screens and everything, or if your kids are just reading, you want, you don't want to have your head bending down because that really uh, impacts the airway and really cuts it off. So what you want to train your kids to do is to use a bunch of pillows to prop their arms up so that when they're sitting there reading, they're sitting there looking at their screen or anything that they're looking at it without um, compressing their, you know, without bending their necks down and um, compressing the airways. So those are three things to really start doing to really help your kids: closed mouth, tongue plastered against the roof of the, uh, cl- yeah, closed mouth, tongue plastered against the roof of the mouth, and then just the right posture, not to be bending the head over all the time. Instead, prop the arms up. You know, do I fight with my kids to rem- to get them to? prop their stuff up. Absolutely. So it's like, you know, Hey, we got to do this. We want to be, we want to feel okay, everything. And they're like, okay, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a work for sure. A work in progress.
0: So and those three things, just keep the, um, the airwaves open, so that Makes they can sense. breathe better, and that keeps the oxygen flowing, and, and that's- Right, and it, and it of- prevents the airway from being further collapsed. Got it. No, you know, right. Well, it's probably psychological, but I've been sitting here with my tongue pressed to the top of my mouth since you said that. Yeah. And I swear I can breathe through my nose better. Is that right? Seconds. It's probably psychological, but I'm congested today. And I don't yeah. know, maybe maybe I did just knock something. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, do you know, it's really funny that you mentioned that, Alexa, because um, if you breathe through your mouth... It actually makes your congestion worse because mm. your body kind of says, hey, wait a second, there's some place where the air is getting out. Let's stop it up so we don't lose air. And that's why we produce that mucus and everything. So the very fact that you're congested and start breathing through your mouth makes your congestion worse. There's wow. this really, yeah, there's this really cool method called the buteco method, B-U-T-E-Y. K-O. And there are these amazing little exercises that you can do to clear um, your um, nose congestion. I mean, like rocking your head and really amazing stuff. There's a a guy, um, what's his name? A guy from Ireland. I can't think of his name right now, but he has all these great exercises. We can put a link in yes, the, uh, Patrick, too, right? it's Patrick McEwen, uh, which is probably not an easy last name to spell, but he has all these great videos on YouTube that show you how to clear congestion. So there's, um, like all this great information and, um, you know, it's just, like I said, like we were talking about in the beginning, it's a matter of getting out there, getting it out there to parents so that they kind of get to know that it's available.
0: Absolutely. Well, this has been really interesting information. And when we saw that you were a literacy um, expert, this is definitely not the conversation I imagine that we would be having, (laughs) but super important. And I know that if we direct people to your website, they will be able to find all kinds of stuff on literacy and reading and all that. Absolutely. So thank you so much for providing Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And if you would, please drop the link to your website.
1: I certainly will. It's um, nurturingliteracy.com. All like right. I said, I have a, a YouTube channel as well that's called uh, Nurturing Literacy, talking with Tara, and I do have some videos on there about um, the signs to look for to recognize um, when your child is struggling. Uh, you know, maybe uh, dealing with this um, sleep-related breathing problem, and then just all other stuff related to literacy as well. And and you know, like what is the connection, really? It's because if you think about it, if you if you are uh, if anything in your body is not functioning as well as it should be, you are your brain is going to be impacted. Your thinking is going to be impacted and reading is definitely the the top job that we do as humans because it's every piece that we need. And so, you know, any disruption really affects the reading. And so that's why I'm talking about it.
0: (laughs) Well, it's important. And if we can uh, help our kids by getting them to sleep better, which will just make their whole lives better.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) We should definitely do it. So thank you for all that information. You are welcome, Alexa. Thank you so much. Well, have a great day. Thank you. You too.